So, Rachel. Yeah. The Enterprise lands at a picturesque planet for shore leave. Mm-hmm. But the idol is ruined when a samurai and a bloodthirsty knight attack Sulu and Bones. What? So what do you think you're going to get with this episode? I'm looking forward to this picturesque planet. Maybe it'll be more horse picnic than polystyrene rocks or Vasquez rocks. So we've got a samurai and a knight hanging out together waiting to attack. Are mm-hmm. they human? If so, are they actors or historical recreationists? A fancy dress party? Mm-hmm. I take it from the title it's supposed to be fun and relaxing for the crew. So maybe a space medieval times. <laughs> God, I wish. Rachel watches Star Trek. They should be sending up a report momentarily, Captain. Something wrong. A kink in my back. That's it. A little little higher, please. Push. Push hard. Take it in there, Mr. Thank you, Yeoman. That's sufficient. You need sleep, Captain. If it's not out of line... I have enough of that from Dr. McCoy, Yeoman. Thank you. Dr. McCoy is correct, Captain. After what this ship has been through in the last three months, there's not a crewman aboard who's not in need of a rest. Myself accepted, of course. <laughs> that was the very strange introduction to the Star Trek episode, Shore Leave. My name is Chris Lackey, and I'm getting my wife to watch the original series of Star Trek with me. She's not really into Star Trek, or sci-fi for that matter, but... She has been enjoying Star Trek, I believe, somewhat. <laughs> it's been a ride. <laughs> a mixed bag so far, but I'm definitely still engaged. And your name is? Rachel Lackey. And you've been? Watching Star Trek. Rachel, watching Star Trek. Now, I know it doesn't quite translate from the audio, but at the top there, let me just spell out what was going on. Kirk has got a kink in his back. Captain of a starship. Yeah? So? He's not immune to getting a little back needs. He's on duty on the bridge of a starship, and he's expecting, strangely, his first officer (laughs) to massage his back. Yeah. Where are the massage therapists? Isn't that part of a yeoman's duties? (laughs) But he brushes her off. I don't get it. It's very bizarre. It seems like maybe in this world where yeomans make coffee and things, Mm -hmm. that maybe she would be expected to rub his back. But the first officer and captains, maybe this is a thing that they do. He's thrilled to have a back rub from Spock, isn't he? But yeah. as soon as he realizes it's the pretty young new yeoman, he shuts it right down. Right. Is it because when Spock does it, it's not sexual, but when she does, it becomes sexual for him? Mm. You know, I don't know. This is the first of many strange, inexplicable scenes in this episode. <laughs> Agreed. The Enterprise has had a rough three months of hard work with no break. Does this include all the days we've seen so far, do you think? If so, hell yes, Captain. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, I'm okay with the whole non-sexual touch between men. Going back to this whole massage thing that Mm -hmm. happened in the very beginning. It's just weird that they're on duty at work in the military and that's happening. But this kind of male touching used to be much more common at the turn of the last century. Some research that I've read says that this kind of the whole men not touching other men and being really friendly and, you know, putting their arms around each other Mm -hmm. or even like lying 
across their laps, mm -hmm. things like that. Like if you look at old military pictures from the turn of the last century, even World War II, World War One, mm -hmm. they're all touching each other there's a theory that says that touching stopped when homophobia became a thing like most mm. people didn't even think about being gay that wasn't something that wasn't an option that wasn't even in their worldview mm. so there wasn't a concern about looking gay yeah and people thinking you might be gay so once it became a little bit more of an idea like oh there's men out there that like to have sex with other men mm. that men started to close off from one another and didn't want to do anything that would be perceived as gay. Mm, it's a shame. Yeah. And certainly I don't have a problem with him wanting Spock to do it, although it does seem a tad unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just they make such a point of him not wanting her to do it. Yeah, it seems strange. So how does what you've said factor into Stardate blah, 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 though? <laughs> and how was it received at the time? I wonder in the 60s. I don't. No, I nobody paid any mind to it, or maybe they did. I I don't know. It's just so odd. Mm. There's so many things that are just really odd in this episode that I don't quite understand. Yeah, what point were they making? Kirk certainly seems to be modeling a non-sexualized workplace. He right. certainly had a rule against getting it on with Rand, didn't he? He did, yeah. And maybe it was something that became sexual or maybe perceived sexual like if his yeoman was massaging his back and he mm. didn't want that perception mm -hmm. even though maybe he actually wouldn't have minded or even cared if it was not in front of everybody i don't know mm, he's got to keep himself squeaky clean regarding that i guess so i suppose it is her first day as a yeoman as far as we know as well yes although everyone gets way touchy-feely once they're on the planet don't they the crew <laughs> <laughs> Yeoman Barrosh tries to encourage him to rest, but of course he stops her from talking immediately, Ugh. which must be in the Yeoman job description. <laughs> Essential quality, ability to tolerate being shut down after speaking five words maximum. <laughs> Desirable, ability to make coffee without electricity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kirk leaves the bridge uh, to check out McCoy's report in his quarters. Spock is in command. Now, down on the planet, McCoy and Sulu are walking around like a couple of grinning goofs. Yeah, it's lovely. They honestly seem like they're totally baked. Like, they are high as kites. Good for them. The planet is beautiful, which they keep saying over and over again. Mm -hmm. The planet has no animals, no people, no worries. They're scoping it out for Kirk. McCoy comments that Kirk has to come down. Do you think the captain will authorize a shore leave here? Well, depending upon my report and that of the other scouting parties. You know, you have to see this place to believe it. It's like something out of Adelson Wonderland. The captain has to come down. He'd like it. He needs it. You've got your problems, I've got mine. But he's got ours, plus his, plus 430 other people. I love that Alice in Wonderland has endured through the <laughs> centuries <laughs> as a reference point. So they must be quite confused that the plant life has evolved along the same lines as Earth's. And it has the same air, temperature, gravity, as far as we can tell, yet no organisms have evolved. Well, on Earth, about 1.5 billion years ago, eukaryotes, uh, single-celled organisms that had like internal organ bits, they would eventually split off into plants, fungus, and animal cells. Hmm. So having just plant life would be very strange mm. that it would just follow that one branch. But then again, maybe not, because we only have one planet to base life off of and that's our planet so maybe mm -hmm. other planets don't evolve separate fungus or animals i don't mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. so sulu runs off to do some scans then out of the foliage comes a guy in an easter bunny costume <laughs> like you would see at the mall what 
What do they do at the mall? Well, for Easter, you know, it's like Santa Claus, but, you know, there's a guy dressed up like a bunny and the kids come and see him and they get some candy. And Oh, what do they do? I never did it, but I've seen it at the mall. That was not, nothing my family did, but they would have them out there. Just go and sit on his knee. Again, pictures. You can see pictures online of people with the Easter bunny. So mm. I, I don't know exactly. But that's what it looked like to me. Yeah. And then he tells McCoy that he's he's late and then the rabbit runs off. Then a, a young blonde girl dressed up like Alice from Alice in Wonderland shows up, asks which way the rabbit went. And McCoy silently points and the girl runs off after it. It bothered me that her fringe had blown to the sides and no one had fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much staring from McCoy. He's in a trance. He can't believe it. Then he shouts, Sulu! He explains it to Sulu and then stares more. So wait, what really bothered you was the fringe there. Yeah, she didn't look like Alice with her fringe blonde sideways like that. It was all wrong. Captain's log, start date 3025.3. We are orbiting an uninhabited planet in the Omicron Delta region. I love the uh in the log entry. He's that tired. I just want to take care of him. Or maybe kiss him. What? But then I imagine him beaming into the room with me and I don't think I would fancy it. Wait, are you having Kirk fantasies now? Not fully realized ones. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeoman Barrows mentions that Kirk's name isn't on the list of people going on holiday. He says he's not falling apart so doesn't require leave and dismisses her. Is this the first episode they're saying, aye, aye, sir? I saw that in the notes and I thought to myself, of course it's not. But mm -hmm. then I thought, maybe you're right. So I went and looked at all the scripts. I did a search, a fine search. You looked at all the scripts? All the scripts up until this point. Whoa. All it takes, no, it's just find replace. It's easy. Okay. You just you put the word I and then mm -hmm. see how many. The only time it popped up is Scotty said I twice. Like, is instead of yes, he said I. Yeah. But I, I, Captain... That is the first time that they used it on the show. How did you catch that? That's insane. <laughs> it just seemed a bit piratey. <laughs> <laughs> and this was the first time that I've watched it without taking notes at the time, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> yeah, I think that's an important thing for you to do in the future. Just watch it. And, yeah. And don't take notes. Just yeah. enjoy it. Let it wash over. Just let it over. wash over me like a beautiful bath of custard. <laughs> I like custard. So Spock comes into Kirk's quarters and Kirk asks him which group he's going to go with. And Spock is like, I'm not going with. Yeah, Spock uses it as another chance to mention how special he is. <laughs> Vulcans power down when they need to rest or hibernate or something. <laughs> Why would it be restful to run around using energy? He's staying. I imagine the travel agencies and roller rinks aren't doing very well on Vulcania then. <laughs> Vulcan is the planet. All right. Yeah. That's the only part that you're worried about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's Vulcan. You know, I have a little bit of beef with some of the Vulcan. That's illogical or that's not. It's like yeah. he enjoys music. Mm. Vulcans are not emotional, but they still like feel pleasure. They still enjoy things. I mean, Vulcans have art. They have mm -hmm. music. Bit of witty banter. Yeah. And they appreciate things, but they don't have like, I would, I mean, are those emotions? It's just his shtick, isn't it, to say that he's Ill <laughs> that he's logical. It's like my dad pretends to be a real curmudgeon, doesn't he? But he actually really enjoys a game once he gets oh, stuck yeah. into it. Yeah, Sometimes. Yeah. It's his script. It's his bit. It's his yeah. thing that he does, yeah. So McCoy calls in to talk to Kirk and he reports himself unfit for duty. Or maybe that the ship scanners are faulty. McCoy tells him about his Alice in Wonderland experience. And Kirk thinks that he's playing some kind of joke. 
and that McCoy's trying to trick him into coming to the planet. Yeah, they have a bit of jokiness. I like tired Kirk. He's so good humoured and twinkly. Nice banter. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk's so tired he doesn't realise Spock is telling him a story about himself, even though it was really obvious it, to us. It was. I picked this up uh, from Dr. McCoy's log. We have a crew member aboard who's showing signs of stress and fatigue. Reaction time down 9 to 12%. Associational rating norm minus 3. That's much too low a rating. He's becoming irritable and quarrelsome, yet he refuses to take rest and rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. Now, he has that right, but we found... Crewman's right ends when the safety of the ship begins. Now, that man will go ashore on my orders. What's his name? James Kirk. Sweet. <laughs> Spock says they've only found peace, sunshine, and good air. You'll have no problems. <laughs> As if. <laughs> I'm glad the last three months haven't taken away their hope. <laughs> Uh, back on the planet, a rock opens up, and then there's an old police revolver in there. What? <laughs> then we cut to Lieutenant Rodriguez and crewman Martin doing some scanning and reporting. Is she the bereaved fiancé from the last episode? Yes, Angela Martin. She's had a haircut and she's back out there. Dude, she's got to keep living. Mm -hmm. Life doesn't stop. Yeah. Especially on a starship. Kirk and Barrows then beam in, smiling. They go wandering off, enjoying the planet. Barrows gets a few words in echoing what Kirk said about the lovely restful planet. Then she remembers her job description and says, I mean, affirmative, Captain. <laughs> she stops herself. Uh, they get to McCoy and he shows them giant rabbit tracks. And this kind of sobers Kirk up and he calls to Uhura on the bridge and says, cancel surely for everybody until they figure out what's going on. Well done, Kirk. At least he's not beaming people in willy nilly in this one. They hear some gunshots and they go running to find Sulu just randomly shooting a gun. <laughs> It's the gun from earlier. Like he's some kind of deranged 12-year-old. What is going on in this show? He's like, I found it. I just found a gun. So I figured, you know, I'm just going to shoot it off. I want to add it to my collection. What? He doesn't question where a 200-year-old Earth revolver came from? Like, it doesn't even like, oh, that's strange. No, I'm going to pick it up and play with it. You know, who plays with guns? You don't just shoot guns randomly. Who knows who's over on the other side of the lake? One of his crewmen could have been over there for crying out loud. It's the spirit of shore leave, Chris. <laughs> Get into it. <laughs> oh, my golly. So I, I'm just thinking maybe there's a high THC content in the atmosphere. Oh. You know, like they're all baked because they really are acting like they're high. And mm. I'm thinking, well, maybe that's going to factor into the story. Like they're, yeah. they have impaired judgment. Yeah. Like maybe these are hallucinations or, or something's going on. Mm, but it Kirk, doesn't. It's not. It's not <laughs> at all, which is kind of crazy. After the explanation, Kirk takes the gun. They find more rabbit footprints and wonder how there could be animal life when their instruments didn't detect any. Yeah. Kirk orders Barrows and Sulu to investigate the tracks and heads off with McCoy. And we see this metal antenna-like device nearby kind of turning left and right. Yeah, it just looks like an old TV antenna. Yeah. After a segue that doesn't deserve to be summarized here, <laughs> Kirk tells McCoy about being the victim of a practical joker at the Academy named Finnegan. Kirk recalls being quite a grim cadet himself, which Finnegan, an upperclassman, got off on. Kirk remembers Finnegan as someone who would leave a bowl of cold soup in your bed. Eh? What? <laughs> or a bucket of water propped on a half-open door. I've heard of that one. I've heard of that one, but did they? I thought they had sliding doors in Star Trek. Why no. would they? Oh, yeah, That's, good call. I don't know. Uh, you never know when he'd strike. Any guesses on what's going to happen? Mm, yeah, certainly. <laughs> Kirk sees some more tracks in front of them and McCoy follows them to the rabbit or whatever. Out pops Finnegan, leaning against a tree. 
wearing a sparkly version of the uniform with a little flower for a badge. Supposedly looking like he did 15 years earlier as a 20-year-old. Why do they always do this? The guy's in his 30s. At Easy. Least. Yes. He prances about, grinning and gurning and beckoning to Kirk, <laughs> speaking in a comedy Irish accent, and there's Irish music playing in the background. <laughs> it's like he's doing an impression of a leprechaun flying monkey. <laughs> <laughs> he then punches Kirk in the face, taunts him on, telling him to hit him like he always wanted. Kirk gets stuck into a good wrestle until he hears Barrows screaming and runs to help. They find Barrows sobbing with the shoulder of her uniform ripped. They deduced that her attacker was Don Juan. Hmm? How? Who she just happened to be daydreaming about. Mm. Um, Thinking to herself, he's all a girl needs on this planet. <laughs> Unfortunately, his first move on appearing to her was to sexually assault her. Mm. Uh, so McCoy stays with her for a while. Kirk dashes off looking for Sulu. And then we see the antenna again. A flower distracts Kirk. And then a woman comes towards him. He says, Ruth? Ruth? She has very fancy hair, all pinned up in curls, and is wearing two floor-length dresses, or one of them's a cat suit, maybe? <laughs> Joined together in the middle. She nuzzles his cheek. Yeah, Kirk tries to contact McCoy, but his communicator cannot reach him. He's distracted by Ruth and how she hasn't appeared to age in 15 years, even though the actress is, of course, in her 30s. Mm. McCoy makes contact, but Kirk is all spaced out with Ruth. Again, I'm thinking there's some kind of psychotropic mm. effect that's going on here. Rodriguez comes to say that they have seen a flock of birds, which snaps Kirk out of it, and he leaves Ruth reluctantly. Spock calls in. He's still on the ship. He's detected an energy field on the surface of the planet, draining the Enterprise's power and interfering with communications. McCoy and Barrows are walking together. She's feeling better from her earlier ordeal, but would not feel comfortable being alone right now. Mm -hmm. She says that this place makes her imagine a fairy tale princess with a tall hat and a veil. Hmm. McCoy flirts, creepily telling her she would have whole armies of Don Juans to fight off when she's just been assaulted by one. <laughs> and adds that he himself would need to be fought off as well. She's into it. Ugh. They gaze at each other and hold hands. Then guess what she finds in a tree, Chris? Uh, a princess outfit? Yes! Yeah. McCoy encourages her to put it on. We know she doesn't have a bra on because she has an exposed shoulder <laughs> and we see her hang her tights over a bush, so she'll just be naked if the fantasy wears off, I guess. <laughs> I know, that's what I was thinking. I'll go in this whole fantasy, when this whole hallucination is gone, she'll just be buck naked. Yeah. So Rodriguez comes in on McCoy's communicator, but it's mostly static. Communications are breaking down. Rodriguez and Martine are cowering from a tiger. Uh-oh. Kirk tasks Spock with explaining what's going on. He rejects the idea that they're hallucinating because he felt Finnegan's fist on his jaw and he's bruised. So he's like, I haven't been hit. Mm. That's not a hallucination. Yeah. So Sulu is attacked by a samurai randomly. His phaser doesn't work. He escapes and runs into Kirk. Spock then beams in, barely making it, says that that's the last of their transporter energy. It's not going to work after that. Uh-oh. No phasers, no communication, no beaming in or out. The plan is soaking up their energy. McCoy encounters a black knight on a horse and he stands his ground because he's convinced it's not going to be able to harm him. So the knight lowers his lance, charges him and freaking kills him. Eek. He's dead. Kirk shoots the knight with the pistol and he falls down dead. The knight does. McCoy is dead? What? <laughs> Did it remind you of Stranger Things where he decided he could face it and fend it off in that way? It did, yeah. Barrows sobs and blames herself for thinking up the knight. 
Kirk grabs her and tells her that they're in trouble and he needs every crewman alert and thinking. So she calms down. I actually quite liked that. Yeah. Although he's hardly being empathic. He treats her like any other crewman and forces her to calm down for now so she can be part of the solution. Yeah. Hmm. I thought it was cool. There's a weird bit. It's all weird. <laughs> where they poke and look at the knight's painted rubber face and talk about it being made of the same basic cell structures as the plant, trees, etc. Really? What are they getting at here? This is how their instruments were tricked, is it? What about the horse that's just run off? Has he made of plants too? Yeah. And I was also wondering if all of these people are these plant-like constructs. Mm. Why is the guy in the night suit totally cheap looking? Yeah. But everybody else is totally, totally real. Totally human. Anyway, now there's a Japanese aircraft flying and Rodriguez says, oh, it's harmless as long as it doesn't do a strafing run on us. And guess what? Strafing run. Mm. And it looks like Martin is hit. McCoy's body disappears while no one's looking. Spock asks Kirk what he had thought up and in pops Finnegan again. Poor old Michael Finnegan begin again. (laughs) Kirk demands to know what's happening to his people and Finnegan just jumps and laughs and he goes, I've got the edge. I'm still 20 years old. Look at you. Hey, you're an old man. (laughs) And they go into this big fighting around that goes on for a long time. (laughs) Not long enough for me. (laughs) But Finnegan's showing him up pretty good and is really beating the tar out of him. I mean, What happened to his Kirk Fu, though? I guess he's hesitant because it's Finnegan. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Kirk passes out. He's unconscious. Mm. But Finnegan says this really weird, creepy thing that doesn't mm. make sense at the reveal of the end of the show. <laughs> he says, sleep, sweet Jimmy boy. Sleep as long as you like. Sleep forever, Jim baby. Forever and ever. <laughs> it's like, what? Eh? So it seems very malevolent, like he wants to kill him. Mm. Just remember that. So when we get to later in the show. Is this all because Spock wouldn't give Kirk a back rub? (laughs) He had to dream up a guy he could get physical with. It's been a while since we've had a shoulder rip, though. Too bad McCoy isn't around to rip the other shoulder off and inject him with something. (laughs) (laughs) Kirk comes too after being knocked out and then he fights, knocks out Finnegan. Spock shows up and says, hey, good job. And he goes, do you feel better? And Kirk is like... Yeah, I do feel better. Mm. And then Spock is like, yeah, I guess you really wanted to beat that guy up. And it's a realization of a fantasy that Mm. you've had. So outrunning the tiger and making it past the samurai, they gather everybody together in the glade. Kirk instructs them to remain at attention and not to think of anything. Finally. Just then, an elderly man appears wearing robes. This caretaker guy confirms the guess. His people constructed this planet as a playground. Anything anyone can think of is manufactured in moments, but none of it's permanent. Sulu wonders how a race can be so advanced as the caretaker's people are, and yet still have the need to play. To Kirk, it makes perfect sense. The more complex the mind, the greater the need for simplicity of play. Hmm. Yeah. When Kirk mentions McCoy's death, Bones reappears alive and well, with two neon furred covered chorus girls from a cabaret on Rigel 2, one on each arm. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Burroughs looks kind of ticked and jealous. As the female crew often do on the show. Yeah. And she reclaims McCoy. The chorus girls find Sulu and Spock and sidle up to them. The caretakers <laughs> offer the use of the shoreleaf planet to the whole crew while cautioning them to take care in what they summon. <laughs> what the heck? He could have just told them that earlier. Yes! Like, right away, why did he, like, trick them? Why didn't they just go, oh, yeah, hi, this is our shortly planet. What you think will become real and enjoy yourselves. Yeah, just a quick disclaimer. Don't think or talk about anything dangerous while you're here. 
<laughs> Unless you find it restful to be in fear for your life or be killed, etc. Yeah. They all seem to take it in good humour, though. <laughs> Spock has a little bit of a snuggle with the girl. <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did we have an explanation of why they couldn't detect any life down there? No. Maybe it was your idea that all the life is plant-based. So mm. it, it doesn't register with their sensors. That's nonsense, though, or isn't it? the aliens were using some kind of cloaking device to protect their technology because they didn't want the Enterprise to know that there was a whole civilization down there. Mm. Which kind of lends weight to it because Sulu says, well, how can you come up with such advanced technology? And he goes, well, you know, you're not ready to hear those secrets yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How convenient. Yeah, exactly. Then, you, then they don't have to write it into the script. Maybe the implication is that they're the super advanced civilization. They don't want the primitives getting a hold of the dangerous stuff. So they've somehow blocked it so that they can't see it. But is it a pleasure planet for others or just for the people who live there? It might be a pleasure planet for an alien race on another planet. Maybe uh, a particular one. Because yeah. otherwise it's like building Las Vegas and then just keeping the lights off and not telling anyone about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Or they just have that planet there ready to go and anybody that wants to visit it can visit it and live out their fantasies. But how can they? Because they don't even, even when they go there, they still don't know that that's what it is. <laughs> Never mind passing by. You can't even tell there's anything on it. Well, anything on it. Well, well, what I'm saying is, is maybe <laughs> in their civilization, people know. Like they go, oh yeah, that's the pleasure planet. And their advanced technology allows them to know this information. Like they've mm-hmm. got an internet. So like before you go anywhere, you go on the internet and you go, oh, what's this planet? Oh, this is the Shorely planet. Great. Why haven't they bothered then? The Enterprise doesn't have internet access. They're still on <laughs> CB radios. Okay. Oh, I see. So they come cruising by. They get on their CBs. They're like, hey, burger, burger, what's going on? <laughs> Nobody's picking up on the CB, you know, because they're too low tech. And maybe that's what happened. It's a bit Telosian, isn't it? It is. It is a bit Telosian, except these guys actually make things yeah. as opposed to the illusions. Yeah. It brings me back to the whole, why is everybody acting like they're high? <laughs> Was this show written where they had one idea in the beginning and then they decided to change it halfway through <laughs> and then they didn't alter the script when they did it? I thought they were just happy. Just, just grateful to have a break. But... They were doing really weird, dumb things that humans yeah. don't do. Well, you might if your old girlfriend showed up randomly on a planet <laughs> that had no people on it, not, not even an organism. But they encounter crazy stuff all the time. If I was Kirk and I saw mm. my ex-girlfriend show up on an alien planet, I would be like, salt vampire? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what is it this time? Yeah, Char- Charlie X. I, you know, yeah. like any number of things. Don't it's, snuggle up, that's it's for sure. N- it's not my girlfriend. Yeah. It is something else. Yeah. But he's just like, oh, yeah, let's get in on this. <laughs> yeah. And they don't address the fact that these people's minds were affected in some way. It, it, mm. It's a little infuriating to me. But anyway, Kirk's going to leave everybody to enjoy the pleasure plant. He's going to head back up. But then Ruth comes strolling in and Kirk <laughs> goes, on second thought. Yeah. Bada boom, bada bing. He's got to get those kinks out of his back somehow. <laughs> Even if it's by passion on a plant-based version of one of his many old flames. <laughs> the show ends as it has gone the entire time with a very strange interaction (laughs) did you enjoy your rest gentlemen yes we did mr spock i think we did indeed we did mr spock most illogical What? Why are they 
Why are they laughing? What was illogical? I don't understand. Spock says, and I quote, did you enjoy your rest? And they said, yes, we did. And then he goes, most illogical. What? I get it. What do you mean? Because they, they did have a good time, even though they were chased by tigers, shot at by planes. Oh, One of them died. Okay. Okay. Had yeah. a fight, all that stuff. Yeah, I get it. Okay. So, yeah, he was like, how was that relaxing? They loved it. But they loved it. Okay. And it's a little bit funny now that I, now that I look at <laughs> well, it. Well, Kirk la- laughed for a really long time oh. before, yeah. <laughs> but not a, a genuine, like, kind of a... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did a her have to sit at her controls the whole time? What? Where's her holiday? Well, I'd like to think that the last scene was after some time had passed and everybody on board got a mm, bit of shore leave. Maybe. She tries to smile along with their drawn out laughing at their in-joke, but she must be really pissed off if she didn't get to go down there. <laughs> I think she did. Okay. Okay, so let's wrap this puppy up. Ratings. Entertainment. I watched it twice. Yay! We had Silly Finnegan with his prancing, grinning accent and fighting. We had a tiger, a horse, a plane, wandering around in the sun, McCoy coming back to life with a showgirl on each arm. <laughs> Get your uniforms on, everyone. It's time for a holiday. <laughs> there were a third too many fantasies for me. And yeah. I, I wasn't particularly interested in Rodriguez and Martine. No. But apart from that, I thought it moved along well. It was plenty silly and varied and actiony. Yeah. So I say eight. Yeah, wow. I was baffled by most of this. The tone of it is so very odd. Mm. It's like this is an episode of Star Trek that was on in the background of a dream I was having <laughs> before the Nazi werewolf showed up. <laughs> but to that end, I wasn't bored at all. Yeah. So I give it a six. Concepts. What was with the one blue plant? <laughs> Did you see it? I did, yeah. I don't know. They had these tall sort of reedy plants sticking up by the edge of the water, didn't they? And they dyed one, just one frond, <laughs> cobalt blue. The rest were just natural. Everything I, else was just natural. I guess they just didn't have a budget to really <laughs> do it up. So they're like, well, we'll throw one plant in there. They just painted one. Yeah. One part of one. Didn't really have a budget. How much did it cost to paint one part of a plant there? That's tight budget. Oh. So not great on concepts. They kept hammering home that their instruments picked up nothing, but they didn't offer a decent explanation for that. Mm-hmm. We were ahead of the characters most of the time for knowing what was going on. Yeah. Definitely not one of their smarter episodes. But in a way, it was a sure leaf for my brain. <laughs> <laughs> nice and easy to follow. Plenty of sunshine and silliness. A cute, sleepy Kirk. And I didn't feel like an idiot struggling to keep up. Oh, yeah. Still a three. Yeah. The idea that some tech could look into your mind and make things that you want real, that's an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. But it's really strange the way that they delivered that idea. Mm. It seems to me like it was really half thought through. Yeah. Uh, So three. Sexiness. The girl's hair was so much better than on any of the previous episodes. They've decided to sod it with the wigs and just go for the cool 60s do's. Yeah. The new human's gorgeous. She's very attractive. So, of course, she'll only be in this one episode. Yep, just the one. (laughs) (laughs) Her purpose was to be assaulted by Don Juan because she'd thought about sex. To dress up as a princess and be a romantic object for McCoy. Mm, And that creeped us a bit, didn't it? Although, why shouldn't an older guy get it on with a woman in her 20s if they both are up for it yeah sure it's just that we've seen that so many times in film and tv yeah i wonder if mccoy is gene roddenberry's age (laughs) Mm. maybe kirk was sexy in his 
smiley, twinkly way <laughs> and with his diehard ripped shirt, blood and dirt. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Spock was sexy too. He looked good in that outfit. I mean, what? it's his usual outfit. It just, looks good. it just looks good in it. It's He does look good in it. I agree. And I like him being sweet but superior. A bit cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame Uhura got left out. Seven. Yeah. What about the girls in the fur boob muffs? That's just bizarre. <laughs> that is so weird. There was a lot of sexuality in this episode. I mean, there wasn't any kissing, just mm. some cheek nuzzling. But there seemed to be a lot going on under the surface, which kind of made it real sexy. Ooh. You know, like, I don't know. There's something about it that it was it was all just about ready to, to pop out all the, mm. the, the sex was because they're all, you know, they're on shore leave. Yeah. They're looking for a little yeah. romance, a little action. Yeah. And it intensity seemed to transfer. So I, I gave it a seven. Good, yeah. It's higher than we've had for a while. Our, our next episode is called Galileo 7. This is where you get to hear Spock's tribute to the Indigo Girls. <laughs> I don't know what that's a reference to. <laughs> There's an Indigo Girls song called Galileo, which was their kind of hit. Oh, okay. Uh, obviously, that joke was lost on you. <laughs> Seriously, though... Do you know that shuttlecraft that was on our Christmas tree, the ornament that you just packed away yeah. not two hours ago, that is a replica of the Galileo 7. I thought of it and then it appeared as the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, it's been a pleasure watching Star Trek with you as always. I've really enjoyed this one. How silly. Good job. <laughs> and with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. Star Trek! <laughs>